The Mix Room with Genelec. Today we're welcoming multi-Grammy award-winning and nominated mix and recording engineer Adam Hawkins onto the podcast, who has worked with Limp Bizkit, Nelly Furtado, 50 Cent, Rod Stewart, Pink, Alanis Morissette, Maroon 5, Eminem, 21 Pilots Muse, Youngblood, Britney Spears, Mod Sun, Avril Lavigne, and many in between, and many, many more besides that. Um, so welcome onto the Mix Room podcast today, Adam. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Really, really good. Thank you. So nice to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. So um, you're in Nashville, aren't you? You said just off air just now. Yeah, I'm just south of Nashville in a smaller town called Franklin. Oh, okay. And how are things in Nashville and the surrounding area at the moment, given the whole live music side of things? Because I know obviously it was extremely quiet for obvious reasons for a while, but it's um, quite central to Nashville's (laughs) identity, the music industry, isn't it? So how's it now? I think Nashville's just kind of pretending nothing's happening. Oh, okay. (laughs) How's that going for it? (laughs) It's a little scary. Okay. Um, So, I I mean, I'm not that involved with the live music side of things, so I I don't really have a good answer for that. But, um, yeah, as far as things shutting down, that's not happening here. Mm, Okay, okay. (laughs) You just keep safe in your studio then, maybe. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) I mean, my kids are going to school, but... um, I'm just afraid to get too close to them when they come home. Yes. Well, that's only natural, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, I know we all get yes. bored. It's human nature, isn't it? It's like, oh, is that still a thing? But yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, on to happier things. So what um, what's your life like at the moment? What are you working on today, for instance? Uh, I am, my life is basically sitting in my basement studio uh, 12 hours a day. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am working currently on a few different projects. I, I think I can mention them. Uh, a new album for Machine Gun Kelly. Very cool. Um, Atmos mixes for Avril Lavigne. Um, cool. A couple of newer artists. Uh, one for... I do have a lot of work for Travis Barker, so I'm, I'm working on a project for him for this artist, Josiah. Um, another artist, Meg Myers. And my first official country project, the Chattahoochees. I see. <laughs> You've not done any country before then? Not really. Not mixing. I, I've done some tracking with Keith Urban years ago, but mm-hmm. yeah, this is my first country mixing. Okay. Well, um, that should be interesting. Do you think you'll have to do anything <laughs> differently to adapt to that? Or no. is it more or less the same sort of I mean, approach? They, they hired me because it's going to be different than the, the standard country mix so i think you know just naturally it's working out Mm, we're happy and it's been kind of fun okay um well before we get into the more recent stuff that you're working on which is really interesting and they're all sort of those artists few ones you mentioned that sort of tied in together aren't they very i know they all know each other and work with each other avril travis Mm -hmm. barker machine gun kelly um so that's all really cool and very current but just to take it back a little bit if you will uh, indulge me so before we get into your career when you were a kid were you always like really into music were you that kid sort of drumming on the table uh, all the time or did it come to you a bit later when you thought you wanted to take an interest in that side of things definitely uh at a young age i think i started taking piano lessons when i was five okay so very young. it's yeah i started really young and i i can't play piano anymore oh. <laughs> but um it's completely gone I but see. um 
yeah, just there was a lot of music in the house, and I just got into it. Okay, nice. What was um, what were the kind of things you were listening to? What did you grow up around listening to when you were younger? Well, what my dad would listen to, I never necessarily got into. Um, He he was a big fan of older, early country music. So he was always playing guitar or steel guitar along to his favorite songs. And, um, you know, I I picked up on things about from it that I liked, but it never became like, yeah, I want to be just like my dad and play country music. I was more into what was happening in, you know, in the pop world or on MTV. Mm, yeah, of course. I think kids are very natural, you know, to to go towards that. Top of the pops over here was just everything. So it's all stuff that was in the charts. I imagine that's the same for most kids. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever is put in front of you. You start, you you absorb it. Mm, absolutely. Um, can you remember what uh, the first piece of music you bought with, with your own money? These usually fall into categories of uh, the embarrassing or quite surprisingly cool. Wondering if you can remember what yours was. I don't. The first, I, I can't remember which was first. I, the first two that I remember buying was uh, Beastie Boys, Licensed to Ill. Oh, nice. And also Michael Jackson. Um, I think it was Thriller. Okay, they're both quite strong, actually. They're not very embarrassing yeah. at all. Those are quite cool. No, the embarrassing stuff came next. It was like <laughs> yeah. Bon Jovi and Poison and <laughs> Molly <laughs> Crew and all that stuff. Hey, they've got some tunes too. Don't knock it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I definitely appreciate some of that stuff. <laughs> okay, nice. Um, so when did you start to get interested in, you know, kind of mixing and being a recording engineer, that kind of thing? So I know you started officially engineering mixing in 97. But before that, when did you start thinking about doing this as a job one day? Um, as a, you know, I never knew it was going to turn into a job. I was just a kid that liked music and I was in bands with local friends. It never really got, you know, to the point where we were professional, but I quickly realized that I would prefer to be on the other side of the glass kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't love performing. I didn't love the, uh, battles of dealing with everybody's you know creative input which I thought I had good ideas then I probably didn't (laughs) 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 but um yeah I just I I got drawn to the equipment okay interesting um and what um so I know you took the the intern and sort of run a route into getting some experience didn't you so where did you do that and where did you get that experience I did. I started doing that and around like 1997, I moved to New York and did that at Unique Recording. It was in Times Square. And um, I mean, I guess actually before that, I did it some in North Carolina where I grew up. And there was a local recording studio in Greensboro where I just started hanging out every day. So I could pick up as much as I could and learn as much as I could they actually influenced me to go to New York. They were going to move their business to New York. And I was like, okay, let's go. And I took off before them. And then they actually never even made, or the, the studio itself never made the move. Oh, so what did you do then? Did you go on ahead? Yeah, that's when I, uh, they actually helped me connect with someone at Unique. And from that point on, I stuck with them. And then the manager of Unique 
went on to manage Sony and he brought me over there for projects. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. I, <laughs> looking back on it, I don't remember how hard it was probably, but it was hard. I definitely worked long hours and had drive that I no longer have. it happens it happens you've done all the hard stuff to get where you are now i suppose (laughs) haven't you (laughs) yeah i guess i just look back and i'm like wow why did i do that to myself but it worked out i'm Mm. pretty happy that's good we all do these things to get you know on the first uh, rungs of the ladder don't we to get in our careers and you look back and think wow that was really tough but it does pay off in the end doesn't it i think so Absolutely. And I, I know you moved to LA as well, didn't you? But you had to start from scratch, I saw, because you didn't have what I guess they called official qualifications from, you know, university or something in engineering or recording. So why do you think there was such an issue there in LA? And how did you then adapt to that I kind of I just had a hard time finding a studio that would take me on because I, I had already had some experience. <clears throat> Excuse me some engineering experience on some pretty larger projects. So if they brought me in, it wasn't quite fair to the current assistants because I would, I don't know. I I honestly don't know. And I didn't have an education in it, so they didn't want to throw me in there. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what the situation was, but I was always told I either had too much experience or I didn't have credentials. Right. Um, um, it's bad, isn't it? Well, um, how did you get around that then? How did you start to get work? Uh, <laughs> I actually, after trying pretty much every studio in LA, I um, got a job at Sam Ash. So it's a, it was a music, you know, store in their audio and recording department. And they, right as I started working there, they opened up a what they called Sam Ash Pro. It didn't last very long, but um, where they only focused on audio and recording. And um, yeah, I mean, I was just doing sales, really. Mm. It was, it, it was educational <laughs> and it was brutal, yes. but to go, to go from doing what I wanted to do to just, you know, start over and sell four tracks to dads. <laughs> for their kids <laughs> yes so then, this was about yeah. the year 2000 so technology wasn't quite where it is today sure yeah of course um, or 2001 yeah well it moves on quickly doesn't it to think about what we were it using sure and does. buying cds and uh whatever else we were doing then i forget but yeah definitely cds were a thing i DVDs. think ipod <laughs> came out around 2001 2002 that was um definitely a part of my life i remember having it hooked up in the car oh yeah i had a little blue one on really my way to Sam one. <laughs> yes i wonder where all those ipods are now they're piled up somewhere enough, in my very first one my dad still uses it he still use it do you know what i am um, doing this podcast from my mum's house today and i can see out the corner why her uh, her one that's uh, she's had for a very long time so they do still work and people are using them clearly Maybe just all of yeah. our parents are still using them. Yeah, he's got it. He modified it because the battery wouldn't hold life anymore, but it's it's still working and he still uses it. Yeah, I'm surprised they're even, you know, the right chargers for them anymore. I know they're <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. They keep changing them, don't they? So you have to keep oh, buying yeah, all the new stuff. 
Anyway, um, so when you were working at this, uh, in in sales, I guess then, so when did things start to pick up for you in the direction that you wanted to go in? Uh, A client or, you know, uh, I guess you call it a client. I don't know. A a customer Mm -hmm. bought a bunch of equipment, asked me to teach them how to use it, basically. We became friends. They met somebody um, at their night job. (laughs) <laughs> she was a, uh, a a dancer and wanted to learn audio production. Okay. So she met someone at the club the night before, wanted to have and told them like, oh, you got to meet my friend. We'll have lunch. So we went and had lunch. That day, I was like, hey, I just moved to town a few months ago. If you ever need anything, let me know. And he was like, I can't think that's going to happen. But then he called me a week later and had a job where I met Mike Elizondo, the producer that I still work with on several projects today. Nice. Nice that you've um, stayed in touch then. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like an immediate transition, but pretty quickly I was able to, to quit the job at the, at Sam Ash and make enough money engineering again, which Mm. was great. Great. Um, can you remember when things started to pick up for you? Did you get a another big project come through and you thought, right, this is it, I'm back on track again? Well, pretty soon after, after that first project was finished with Mike, he was just beginning to kind of break away and produce on his own, uh, break away from working with Dr. Dre. And he just continued to hire me for projects. We worked with immediately... Nelly Furtado and Fiona Apple and um, Macy Gray, a few other artists, mm. right away, kind of just went straight into it. Great artists there, very diverse as well. And um, I'd love to yeah. ask you about, I think this is the oh, 2000s, I can't remember when it came out, uh, Limp Biscuit, so chocolate starfish <laughs> and the hot dog flavoured water, but obviously it had the hit on it, Rolling, which everyone knows, and it's like yep. a soundtrack to my some of my teenage years. I swear this was just everywhere, <laughs> this song, uh, as, as with many of them and many of the tracks that you've worked on. But So you were the engineer for this project, so, I, you know. I, I didn't even get credited. I don't think I do have it listed. No, I don't think I did. Um, I recorded vocals on that album and spots like that song was one of them. And they were in New York. I was still living in New York at the time. So they came to the studio and the studio put me on the job. Really. It was just a chance thing, Mm. but then I continued working with them for a few days and at different studios around town. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, I don't think I even got credit on that. Oh, I wonder why that is. That's weird. Um, it happens. It ha- yeah, I'm <laughs> sure it does more than people know. Um, yeah, it happens a ton. It still happens to this day. I uh, I often try, if I have an assistant work with me, I definitely put their name in mm. so that they get a credit. But very frequently, it just gets dropped. Someone mm-hmm. drops the ball. Right. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you're at least making sure for your part that's not happening to someone else. So that's nice. Yeah. Nice to see you uh, sort of looking out for the, yeah, for the others out there. So what about, um, so you work across, as I said, a range of different genres. So I'm wondering how that affects or if it does affect it at all. Like, you know, your approach to mixing when say you're working on, so I think you've worked on PIMP by 50 Cent, right? When compared to (laughs) something like Thought Contagion by Muse. Right. Well, I mean, the PI, back 
the early hip hop stuff I did, a lot of it was just recording. I wasn't mixing. So oh, okay, it was simply hitting record and punching in and you know making sure everything was captured correctly. Um, then Thought Contagion with Muse, yeah, I recorded and mixed that one. Um, but I love the fact that I don't work on the same genre for every project. I would get really bored. Mm. It would start to feel really repetitive. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, what about working with Muse or an act like that? Such a huge sound, obviously only uh, three players, isn't it? But how does that affect your work when it comes to the mix? So it's not, I don't know, just a wall of sound. I mean, I don't like, I mean like the, uh, the old school of sound. I mean, literally like <laughs> Muse's wall of sound coming at you into your ears. How right. do you balance that? Uh, it's funny because working with them, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of creating the mix as they work on the song. They don't like it to change much once the production's finished. They're, they're pretty much like already in love with and, and made all their choices they want to make. Um, so mixing for them at the end of the production, which Rich Costi was producing at that, on that project, um, the mix was just like fine tuning little things to to try to make me a little bit happier or to try to make Rich a little bit happier with it. The band really didn't want it to change a ton. <laughs> okay. Interesting. And um, so I was looking on your website earlier and I couldn't help but notice obviously you've got multiple Grammy award winning on there. Um, what, um, which are the projects that you won a few Grammys for? I couldn't actually easily decipher that from when I was looking through because you've worked on so many things. So what are the um, projects that won Grammys that you worked on? The one that won like an actual Grammy statue is uh, for a band called Switchfoot. Mm-hmm. And it was mixing their, uh, or recording and mixing their album, Hello Hurricane. Others are for engineering projects or just, uh, like, I don't get the actual trophy. You can get a, I have a plaque for some, I could get it for others. Um, But Rod Stewart, for one of his projects Mm -hmm. around 2004, probably. Um. Gary Clark Jr. won, I think it was a best performance. So that doesn't actually classify me as winning a Grammy, but I was told that I'm allowed to say multi award <laughs> I think you're allowed. Who's going to check anyway? The Grammys? <laughs> Please don't check the Grammys. We don't want to anger you. But um, yeah, I think it's fine. <laughs> um, and then other nominations in there for uh, engineering on an album for K-Flay. Mm-hmm. And... 21 Pilots was up for, I think, man, I can't even remember. Was it album of the year or song of the year? That would have included me if it won, but mm-hmm. I don't, it didn't win. Okay. Were you the engineer for uh, 21 Pilots' Blurry Face? I did the recording of that one. I didn't mix that one. Oh, okay. What was that like working on that? That's a huge song. I still hear that all the time. Oh, uh, it was great. They were, I mean, that's when I became friends with them and from that point on kind of continued to work with them. Um, They're really, really great down to earth, fun people to be around. So um, yeah. But the second I heard that song, I knew it was a hit. I always wonder if the people working on it can get that sense because you must get exposed to so many different types of music and so many new songs. Um, How do you hear it first before it's, you know, officially recorded? Do they play it out to you? Do you hear a demo? 
uh, they come in. Uh, Tyler is pretty heavy handed on the production. So he came in with a pretty much finished production. And then it not it, obviously not the final production. That was again, yeah. Mike Elizondo producing that. And Mike changed arrangement, changed a lot of the parts, changed the drums. Um, but just from the first time I heard the song, I immediately knew that that was going to be huge. Mm. Same thing happened when I worked on their song, Heathens, which I did mix that one. Okay, cool. How was that to mix that? What was your approach for that song? Um, I mean, since I recorded it and they fell in love with where it was the day they left, it was mostly fine tuning uh, things here and there or and making the band happy, making Mike happy, making the A&R guys happy. I mean, typically with a project like that, when I'm already have hands on in, in the production phase, it doesn't, I'm already thinking about the mix while that's happening. Mm. So it's not like I took it off and to my studio and drastically changed it. Mm, okay. Um, I suppose that must be nice in those kind of situations where you're working more across the whole project. Like you see, I suppose you're imagining being one step ahead whilst you're doing the recording side of it. Yeah, like you said, you think you have the mix already. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 a nice thing that I don't get to do anymore because now I'm strictly mixing. I'm not there for the production side of things mm. ever really anymore. Okay. Did you make that decision? Did you just prefer mixing or do you just tend to get more work in mixing? So that's what you've gone to. I kind of made that decision. I, I wanted to get a little bit more control of my life. I failed at that, but <laughs> <Haven't we laughs> I, <all? laughs> thought, I thought that if I was mixing only, I would have, I would be able to set my schedule more and, you know, have more time to spend with the family. But in all honesty, I'm still working all waking hours, basically. Well, I suppose Atmos has come sneaking up there, well, not really sneaking up, bounding up to get all these mixes done, even backdating them. So I think you're going to be in work for a while if that was your plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Every every mix I do now, I have to do twice. Mm. So it just doubled my workload. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you did recently, uh, you talked about Avril Lavigne earlier. So she's making quite a big comeback. She's had quite a few, sing well, a few singles out over the last year. So you recently worked on the stereo and Atmos mix, like you said, of her new song, Bite Me. So yes. how did you get involved with that? Um, you know, how did you approach this um, with the different versions of the mixes as well? One being Atmos and one um, stereo. Um, well, I got involved because Travis Barker, Mm -hmm. for the last two years or so has been sending me a ton of projects. And um, I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> the artists are awesome. Everything he's doing is amazing. And he's sending it so much to me. It's, mm -hmm. it's great. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, I mean, th when they sent that song to me, they I had already had a couple of other people mix it. And they said, just make it as exciting as possible. So... That I did my best attempt at that mm -hmm. while still keeping the vocals, the focus and uh, out front, like more pop treatment than the rock side of it. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It was stressful. <laughs> like knowing that it's already been through other mixers and that I'm competing, it makes it very stressful. Every decision is like, well, I could do this. What, a, what did they, what do I think they did? 
<laughs> oh, I suppose you'd drive yourself insane if you if you were thinking of that, wouldn't you? All the infinite possibilities oh, it, out there. I, I absolutely. It, it's it's a pretty stressful thing, especially once somebody tells me like, "Oh, so and so mixed this already." Yeah, no great. pressure. Yeah, great. <laughs> they they are amazing. There's no <laughs> way I'm going to, I'm going to win this job. But it happens. So then, how how different, for instance, with that song, as uh, I know you did both, is the Atmos mix to the regular, the stereo mix of Bite Me? How do you? What's different uh, for your process with that? Well, what I do is I print stems after I've done the stereo mix. I'll print the the drums, or and sometimes some additional elements of the drums that I envision being placed in different spaces. Um, but you know, drums, bass, guitar, keyboards, vocals, background vocals. And so far, my approach on Atmos, I mean, it could be incorrect because there's no correct yet. And mm-hmm. I, I don't have a simple way to play back other people's Atmos mixes in my studio. So I'm kind of just doing what I think is fun and what feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm typically just making it surround you. Some guitars are behind you, beside you keyboards um like a synth pad could be above and behind you it's kind of all over the place (laughs) it's hard to put into words though because i'm kind of just having fun with it Mm, i don't think uh, there is one set way like you say to do it because um every you know engineer that i talk to that works in atmos basically says something along the lines of the same thing you know you're just experiment almost experimenting with what sounds right and you've just got you know these more uh channels to play with if you will so it's up to your interpretation um it it really is yeah i mean initially i thought okay i just have to make it sound more like a live performance and some of the ambiences behind you but Mm. that got boring pretty quickly and i thought like i love the old beatles when when beatles got stereo it went crazy why are the drums and the bass on the left? And they probably were because they were bounced down to a single track. And that's just what happened when they did a stereo mix. They were together. But um, I love that about those old records. So I said, well, why not have the background vocals suddenly show up behind you? Or um, if there are multiple guitar parts, why not have them surrounding you instead of just being in front of you? And forget what it would be like live and make it a whole new thing. Mm. So that's kind of what I've been doing, wrong or right. Yeah. It's been fun. And it translates well to headphones. It may be odd if someone ends up with an actual Atmos system in their home or their car one day. And I don't know how it's going to translate to that kind of situation because if you're sitting close to your rear surrounds and suddenly a background vocal comes out, it might be weird, but I'm still having fun with that and doing it. Um, like I said, it's translating well to headphones. Mm, well, that's um, that's important for now. Um, I think it would be a while before we're all going to have Atmos systems in our car, as much as I'd love that. Um, a little <laughs> bit pricey, so probably not for me for now. But um, right. <laughs> what um, are you Dolby got- has a Tesla with it set up in there, and you, they are demoing it occasionally. It's pretty cool. Oh, I've been in um, one of the cars. Oh, my God, I've actually forgotten. what It wasn't a Tesla. It was a, a Mercedes. I think it was a Mercedes or something that had um, an Atmos system in it. I went to their showroom earlier this year. 
Um, and it was incredible listening to it. It sounds better than, you know, like my system at home, this system in this car, this <laughs> Apple system is absolutely phenomenal. So I'm well up for it whenever they actually do uh, streamline these systems into more um, economical cars. Uh, I would definitely yes. love to have one of those and I probably wouldn't want to listen to it anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere else but um are you asked to get um to do both mixes now is that becoming a regular thing for always to do an atmos mix yeah for most projects it's coming up now where we just negotiated at the beginning like uh, we'll do the stereo mix and then do the atmos mix once that's approved okay interesting and um so how does it um i guess where did you start with this was it easy to adjust to I kind of just started. <laughs> I mean, I got a tip from a record executive at Warner just saying, hey, you should probably start looking into getting Atmos set up. And I was like, come on, you got to be kidding me. And she said, no, really, you should do this. This is something that's going to be big and they're really pushing for it. So just get prepared because everything you do coming up is going to have to be that. Mm. And it sounds um, like it has been the case for you as well. It, it has, yeah. So I listened to her and I started looking into... I had just finished building this new room in, the studio, in, in uh, Tennessee. And I was like, well, great. I already have to modify it. <laughs> yes. Like three weeks after I finished. But um, I started looking into it and talked to Genelec and ordered uh, speakers for you know, to fill in the rest. I had the stereo speakers already, mm. the 8351s. Uh, and just started kind of toying around with it. But then when I first, someone first asked about it, I was like, yeah, I can do it. And just kind of, as I did engineering and mixing, I just kind of learned, I'm learning it as I go. Mm. So what does your um, immersive Genelec setup look like? What have you got in your home studio? I have 8351s up front with an 8341 as a center because I couldn't figure out how to position another 8351 between the displays. Right. Um, 80, 8330s on the ceiling mm-hmm. for front and rear and then also for sides and rear. Okay. Uh, and then a pair of 7360 subwoofers. Sure. So I didn't, as tempting as it was, I didn't want to do 8351s all the way around and then have this just fizzle out. I just, it took the smaller, more economical option and I'm pretty happy with it. Mm. And uh, how long have you been using Genelec then? It sounds like a few years before you got the Atmos stuff all built in. When the 8351B was announced, I immediately ordered them and... um. Because I had I liked the A, but I, they had some issues that I just couldn't look past. Mm-hmm. So when they fi- they announced they fixed them in the B, I was like, "Get them to me now!" <laughs> <laughs> and I've loved them since then. I, they, uh, I mean, it's love hate. They they're beautiful when something sounds great. When something sounds bad, I I sometimes have a hard time trying to figure out how to make it sound good. <laughs> Is that because? They enable you I to think, hear it. Is that what you mean? Like hear the yeah, mistake? Exactly. Or, yeah, exactly. Like they're okay. just they're just brutal. It's hard to <laughs> to when you want it to sound perfect, you can't get it there sometimes. Okay. Because the, the source. they're so detailed. Yeah. 
Okay, I understand. And how how have they helped you in particular with all this Atmos work that you've got um, going on now that you know it's going to translate, hopefully, uh, mistake-free, you know, to these other systems or headphones? Well, I mean, I, I again, I'm treating it as if someone is sitting in the sweet spot when they listen so that they can hear all of the stuff I've got flying around them. Um, but the, I can't imagine doing it with any other system because of how simple it is to calibrate it and set it up, uh, with their software. I set a mic where I sit and hit calibrate and it does its thing. And I don't have to think about levels or timing or any of that. It does it all for me. And I, 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 I did get to hear Atmos mixes at Blackbird here in Nashville. And I think my room sounds better. <laughs> really? That's quite the statement. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like the Genelec system, it, it just does a better job of, maybe it's because of the calibration, but it just, it fit. I don't know how to put it in words. It just sounds more right to me. Mm. Yeah, and um, it's great that you were able to do the GLM calibration yourself because I know sometimes they'll send someone from Genelec out. Um, but it sounds like you found that quite intuitive and easy to use. Yeah, the first when I first got the 8351s, a Genelec rep came out to me, and this was still in California before I moved here. Um, <clears throat> and she helped me calibrate, and I kind of just learned the system from then on because I had already been using them for a year and a half or almost two years before I added the Atmos setup. Okay, cool. It's not super complicated to just mm. add more. That's good. Um, so have you been using your Genlex for all your recent, um, you know, mixes, Atmos or, or stereo, including, you know, the Avril Lavigne stuff we talked about and all of the recent stuff? Everything I've done for the past two and a half years, I guess, or whenever these came out, as I've done on these speakers, the Genelex, okay, solely. Nice. I nice. don't even check other sources anymore. Good. That's good. And what else, um, if you're allowed to say, what else have you been working on or what have you got coming up? I know you mentioned um, Machine Gun Kelly earlier, didn't you? You got something coming up with yes. him? Yes. Yes. Um, it's been going on for a while, off and on, working on a, an album for him. I'm not certain that I'm doing the entire album but mm. I've, I've been working on several songs uh kind of nearing the end of that phase so should be finishing it up pretty shortly okay interesting. Um, it's it's a it's a very cool project too it's very approached very different from the last one okay i'm intrigued i don't know how much i can't really say much about it <laughs> that's okay i don't want to get you in trouble with uh Machine Gun Kelly or anyone. So is it quite, um, right. are you sort of left to it? Is it collaborative? Is he involved in anything that you're doing? Or are you just kind of doing your thing in your um, areas of expertise and then passing it on? Yeah, I mean, mainly they finish the production, leave it where they're happy with it. Mm -hmm. I clean it up a little bit, make it sound a little bit more polished. Um, in some cases, make it sound a little bit more... Uh, not messed up, <laughs> but a little bit more wild and out of control at times. Yeah, like um, less polished or something. Yeah. And send it back to them and we just go back and forth, phone calls, FaceTime or text until it's done. Cool. You're clearly working with all these um, 
really cool sort of group of artists at the moment. So that's really nice. They were obviously in their little inner circle for the moment. Yeah. If only they knew how not cool I was. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You sound cool. <laughs> Just a dorky guy in the basement. <laughs> hey, you're making it happen. That's what they need. Yeah. <laughs> making it happen. Okay. Um, well, I do look forward to seeing, um, you know, what's next for you and that you're working on. Um, so I'll see, I guess we'll see what new music comes out and then we'll find out if you're on it as you will be credited. I'm sure. Now these days that, that if I got left off, that would be pretty upsetting. I mean, yes, it, it absolutely would. Um, uh-huh. I'm sure it wouldn't happen anymore. Um, Definitely no. not. Machine Gun Kelly won't let that happen. I, I just sense it, you know. Um, well, I mean, I, every project now I have to hire a lawyer, so my lawyer wouldn't let it happen. Okay, even better. Yeah, <laughs> that's unsensible. Um, okay, well, thanks so much, Adam, for joining the podcast. It's been genuine pleasure to talk to you about all these, you know, songs that, I don't know, I feel like I've just grown up with and all the recent stuff that you're doing that's equally, uh, you know, present on the radio. It's kind of everywhere. Um, so that's been a real pleasure. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. You are Hopefully so welcome. you can make me sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, see what we can do. I'm sure we can. <laughs> no, that's all good. Um, yeah, really, thank you. Um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm not sure what time it is there. Uh, it's just 10.30 in the morning. Oh, so early. Okay, yes. Well, yeah. And it's freezing outside, so. Same here, uh, but then England uh, always is, so yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Um, well, yeah, thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.